This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, I'm going to go back to dreaming with God. Probably did five or six messages on the whole topic of dreaming with God, which is basically about purpose, about destiny. You know, what, why, why do you exist? Why are you here on earth? You know, what does God want to do through your life? You know, do you actually know what that is? Do you know what God is wanting to do through you? What is his plan for your life? Okay, so uh, we've been looking at different facets of this. And, and this morning, I want to specifically focus on the engine room. The engine room of fulfilling your dreams. The engine room of seeing you fulfill your life destiny. Quick question. Eh, who wants to fulfill their life destiny? Yeah, we want to. Why? Because when you start living your, your, your destiny, your, your very purpose, then life makes sense. It's like you're in the zone, in that sweet spot where, where you're enjoying life and impacting lives for good. Okay, so I just want to pray for us and then I'm, I'm going to share. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. This morning we, we lean into you. God, we lean into your Holy Spirit, God, that causes the word of God to come alive. Lord, we're not here for a pep talk. God, we are here to encounter more of you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me, and I pray that each one would hear your voice personally, individually. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray that you'd come reveal to us how we can fulfill our destiny and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Okay, so if you think about a locomotive for a moment, old, good old steam, steam-powered locomotive, you know, he has that, uh, the engine room where that fire is, uh, is, is lit, and they put the coal in there to get this steam locomotive going. Now, I want to I wanna hold that before you. I believe in the same way for our lives. Each one of us, we have an engine room, and the, the measure of fire that's burning in there will determine if we're going to move forward in life, if we're going to fulfill our life destiny. And I've experienced this so many times, you know, and, and what it basically comes down to is this one word, passion. Passion. The measure of your passion will determine the measure of movement that you have in your life. Now, I've seen this in my own life many times when, when I become a, a little bit distracted or I, I lose my, my passion. I'm quite, in general, quite passionate about things. And sometimes I, when I, I feel like when I lose that, that edge, that, that passion, that f- the fullness of that fire, it's like just my engine shuts down and the locomotive, it just sort of parks there on the, on the railroad. And so we need passion. We need passion. Passion is the defining factor that separates the ordinary from the, the extraordinary from the ordinary. So my question to you this morning is, how's your passion? What are you burning for? What, what, what are your thoughts focused on? What are you dreaming about? What are you thinking about? What are you investing your time in? Because all of that will bring back to your passion. What are you, what, what's your passion? And, I, and when, when, when your passion 
is fully on fire, you're going to move forward. Something's going to, some, there's, there's going to be movement, you know, and I, I think there's these obstacles on our, on our railroad tracks, you know. So they say if you have a locomotive and uh, it's, it's, it doesn't have momentum yet, it's just standing still, you can just put a little brick in front of it and it won't, it won't be able to, to move forward. But when there's momentum, when that fire is burning and there's momentum, it can crash through a wall. And I believe that's the type of people that change the world. People who are passionate and they, they pick up momentum in their lives and they can break through every obstacle. Okay, so we're going to unpack this a little bit, focus on passion. And I want to just look at, uh, at Jesus. We're going to start off with uh, uh, just to look at how Jesus was not only a passionate man, but also he had another component, and, and, and this is one of the keys for us. Because you can be passionate about the wrong things. And in other words, you miss it. You're on the ro- wrong railroad track. You're going the wrong direction. And there's another component that you and I need, and we see it in Jesus' life, because he was a man on a mission. So God, Jesus became flesh. He's God who became flesh. But he was on a mission, and we see that how he lived. He was so focused. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. It was a he was a man on a mission, but there was something else that I believe set him apart from most, and it's called compassion. So passion gets things done, but compassion gets the right things done. There's a lot of passionate people in this world. There are a lot of religious people who are super religious, super passionate, but they miss compassion. Okay, so I want us to look a little bit at that, and I'm trusting you're going to be, something's going to, the fire on the inside will be lit, not only passion, but compassion as well. Okay, so Matthew 14, verse 14, it says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. Jesus saw. Okay, say saw. He saw a great multitude. And then it says, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. So Jesus, a man on a mission, a man who's here to fulfill his destiny, to do the will of God, but he saw people. Ultimately, Jesus' mission was about people. His dream was about people. His destiny was about people. So it was for the sake of people. But you see that Jesus saw the people, but he didn't just like see, like physically see, like you know, you're looking at me, you're seeing me, I'm seeing you, but there's a, a deeper seeing. Uh, you know that saying, like, I see you. I'm looking into you. I see you. I feel you. And Jesus saw. He saw on a deeper level. And and he was moved with compassion, and his compassion made a way. And then he started to do miracles physically, healing people, setting people free. His compassion moved him to act, to touch lives. That's the power of compassion. But now you see that Jesus was this man on a mission, and he had compassion for people. But there was a group of people that he had a fight with over and over again. And it's called the religious crowd, the Pharisees. Do you know what he called them? Can you remember what he often, over and over again, he would speak to them and say, you, you, 
<laughs> you brood of vipers, yeah. That that yeah, children of snakes. Thank you, Lord. That that's very encouraging for people. Yes. But he was a, but his love moved him to fight with them for one reason, to help them see. Because he said over and over again, You're blind. You're blind. You're bl- the blind leading the blind. You're blind. You're not seeing it. I mean, there's this classic example where Jesus was at um, the Pharisees, Simon the Pharisee's house, and he, he was eating, and these guys were checking him out, the religious crowd checking Jesus out. Then this prostitute woman comes in, and, and it was like a, a low table, and, and he, was, he was just they were sitting with his feet behind him, and uh, they were kneeling, sort of eating. And then he, and this lady came to stand behind him, and she was just weeping. She heard that Jesus was there. And so she came, despite knowing all the other guys, gonna, the, the people are going to judge her. I mean, she's a prostitute. She's a sinner. She's a bad person in the eyes, of, especially of the religious crowd. And yet she was there and, and, and weeping and, and washing Jesus' feet and, and just loving on him because she heard that he's, he's going to be there. But, but then at some point, Jesus could pick up all the religious people were judging. They were like, if this man was a prophet, he would know what manner of woman was touching him. Now imagine for a moment a prostitute comes in here and she sort of does that with my feet. Awkward. Jesus was just so out of the box because his love, his compassion would just break through norms. And But at some point he spoke to the Simon, the, the Pharisee, and, and he could pick up that Simon was judging him and Simon was angry because Simon was a passionate man. He was passionate about the things of God, but he was missing the God of the things that was just right in front of him. And so Jesus asked him this question. He asked him, Simon, this is like Luke chapter 7, I think. Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? He was asking, do you see this woman? Because he wasn't. He was just looking at life through his religious rules and his regulations. And he was missing the heart of God. You know what? We... In general, we tend to judge the Pharisees. Oh, they're so terrible. But us, oh no, we would never do that. We would never be judgmental. We would never miss the heart of God. We would never lack compassion, would we? No, we can easily, in the same way, miss it as even as they've missed it. But Jesus had compassion and he had this fight with the guys. Guys, are you seeing? You're the blind leading the blind. You know what? Compassion... Gives us eyes to see. You're walking down the streets. You're self-focused. You're only thinking about yourself. You're not going to see. You're not going to see. When you're afraid, you're not going to see. When you are selfish, you're not going to see. But when compassion impacts us, you're going to stand there at the toll when you pay for your things at the spa and you're going to look at the teller and you're going to see a human being that needs God compared to this woman that's, thank you, bye. <laughs> you know, you're going to look differently at the waitress. You're going to look differently at the person that maybe fills in some petrol there at the fuel station. You're going to look different at the, the, the cleaner uh, at your offices or wherever. You're going to look different because you're going to see a human being. 
And I believe that's what God wants to, he, wa- he wants us to have passion, but he also wants us to have compassion. Passion will get you moving, but compassion will, will get you moving in the right direction. Do you have eyes to see? Do I have eyes to see? You know? Because we go through life just on our mission, and sometimes our selfish mission, and then we miss what God is wanting to do. So Helen Killer well-known lady that she was, she had a young age, like two, age of two or three, she developed a disease that she became blind and deaf and therefore mute as well. So it was a, it was a, it was a, she was like an animal, she says at the age of six, because she couldn't hear, she couldn't speak, she couldn't see, it it was really challenging. And then the lady came and taught her through touching her, she taught her how to, 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 to read and Braille and so forth. And she said, the only thing worse than blindness is having sight without vision. The only thing worse than blindness is having sight. You can see. I'm seeing you, but I'm not seeing you. Because the eyes of the heart has become blind. So God, compassion opens those eyes. Passion can actually blind us because we're so on a mission of what we want to achieve that we miss the heart of God. We miss compassion. We miss people. And uh, Francis Schaeffer, he said, Biblical orthodoxy without compassion is surely the ugliest thing in the world. Isn't that true? That the followers of Jesus who has the word of God, who are supposed to represent God well, his heart, his love, and somehow misrepresent him. Yeah, that's ugly. That's ugly. eh? We call it dead religion. No one likes dead religion. 80% of our religion or of our Christianity in our country is probably dead. I think, because we miss it. We miss, we don't have the, we, we, our hearts are not alive as the Lord wants it to be. So I'm trusting this morning that we're going to catch a little bit of God's heart of compassion. So if you're dreaming with God, you're catching His heart. When you're dreaming with God, you're catching His heart and you will represent His heart. If you're dreaming with the devil, there will be a lot of passion, but for all the wrong things, even religious zeal, but you're missing but little love. Dreaming without God will simply be about self, myself. You know, I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to achieve all these things in my life. Yeah, that's dreaming without God. Dreaming with God is catching his heart and having people on your radar. So what's your dream? What's your dream? Do you have a dream? Even the work that you are doing, are you positioning the work you're doing in a place where lives can be impacted for good. Because that's where God wants you to touch people. Dreaming with God is receiving a heavenly, heavenly vision. And that is remembering what it's all about. It's about people. Come on, say people. It's about people. It's about people. It's about loving people well. It's about revealing to people the love of God. So what is the engine room for dreaming with God? The engine room is not only passion, but compassion. So to give you some context, if you have a passion for God, you're going to have great compassion for people. Why? 
Because as you spend time with God, as you, you know, it's like me and Sonica, when we spend time together, we rub off on one another. We, we catch one another's heart. The more time you spend with God, I mean, really spend time with Him. I'm not talking about, I read my Bible this morning. I ticked my little box. I prayed my two minutes. I'm talking about when you spend time with God, His heart will impact you. And that heart, so your passion for God, your passion, your, your, the desire for God will move you forward to spend time with Him. And as you spend time with Him, He's going to download His heart to you. And as He downloads His heart to you, you're going to have great compassion for people. And this is the beautiful thing. It works together. And when you have great compassion for people, when you have compassion for people, you're going to have great passion for God. Why? The first one, when you spend time with God, you're going to catch His heart. You're going to just love people. You know, when I came to Christ as an 18-year-old, and I remember as a, as a high school uh, uh, young person, you know, I, I didn't like people very much. I, I liked our, our animals, our dogs and cats more than I liked people, you know, because I was wounded myself and disappointed and, and hurt. And I was like, man, you still pick it up in our world, don't we? There's a lot of people that would say, save the tree, but kill the baby. <laughs> you know, let's save the whale, but who the hell cares about people? You know, there's a lot of people on that page, because what, we were destroying the earth? Bad people, bad people, you know? Have you picked that up in our society? You know, but I know the day I became a Christian, within those first few months, it was suddenly people came onto my radar. Our animals were down, downgraded. Although they might be great pets, they don't have a soul like a human being. And I, I started to catch the heart of the Father for people. And I, I started this passion on the inside of me, started to burn with compassion for people. God, people, people, people. You want to touch people. You want to change lives, Lord. And, and, and what I've experienced is that when you encounter the pain of people, when you, when you open your heart to people's challenges to people's problems and it's massive then you realize i can't solve this only god can solve this so my compassion for people then drives me to god say father i need more of you i need more of you god these people need more this person needs more of you god you know so so the compassion then drives us to our knees, drives us to search the scriptures for answers, drives us to call upon the name of God that we might have more of him so that they can have more of God. You see, you and I are not the solution to the world's problems, but Jesus is. Jesus is. And I, I just for me, is one of the most fulfilling things in life. And you can do this wherever you are, whenever you are. doesn't matter what your work is, but you can pray for somebody. You can pray for somebody whose soul is in darkness and you can see the massive shift and change in their lives. And I tell you, when you get that feedback from somebody, I was down or out, I was suicidal, I was giving up, I have no way out. And then that moment when you prayed for me, everything changed. That is wow. The privilege the honor for you and me 
you know, finite human beings like you and me to partner with the infinite one (laughs) so that his life might flow through us to others. There's nothing like it. I tell you, if you want to see your passion, that fire, that locomotive engine burning, have compassion for somebody. It will move you to God. It will move you to spend time with God. You see, but so many of us believe the lie that, ah, man, I can't really change anybody. I tell you, when your passion, when the fire of God starts burning on the inside of you, you are going to see lives changed. You're going to. You're going to. Come on, say passion. Come on, say it. Lord, I want more passion. (laughs) Amen. You need it. I need it. And I'm also, also because there's this edge, I believe this, when, when, when that fire is burning in me, I go into the zone. And when I go into the zone, it's like that locomotive crashes through wall upon wall upon wall. It's like out of my way, Jesus is coming to change lives. Yeah, but the fear of man wants to keep us back and... The fear of people's sin or the issues or the fear of darkness, the fear of evil or, oh, this is too bad, this is too big, this is too great. No, there is no challenge too big for Jesus. No challenge, no darkness too dark, no devil too strong. Jesus has overcome every evil. But the fire needs to burn on the inside. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. You're going to be that on the track locomotive going nowhere. No one wants to go nowhere. Not very exciting. Come on. So God wants to light that fire on the inside of us. I believe there's an intersection point in the kingdom of God where the love of God meets the need of mankind. It's called the cross. That's where passion and compassion meets one another. That's why Jesus came. He, it's called the passion of Christ because it was, it was God fire burning for the needs of mankind. Come on, that's what Jesus did for you. So, so why do you need passion? Passion is a real difference maker. It separates, as I said, the extraordinary from the ordinary. So they were asking um, John Maxwell about this, and he said, When I think back on my career, I recognize that passion has enabled me to do the following. Believe things I would not have believed. Feel things I would not have felt. Attempt things I would not have attempted. Accomplish things I would not have accomplished. Meet people I would not have met. Motivate people I would not have motivated. Lead people I would not have led. But he says, basically, his passion moved him places. Passion moves us. Come on, let's say passion moves me. How's your passion? How's your passion? And a well-known CEO of a company, uh, General Electric in the United States, the CEO was uh, Jack Welch, and he said, In all my years of observing people, I've yet to meet an individual who reached his potential but but didn't possess passion. I've yet to meet an individual who reached his potential but didn't possess passion. Now, this isn't necessarily a passion for God. Obviously, this is a passion for doing your job, for for pursuing a mission in terms of your career, pursuing a a goal that you're wanting to achieve. And he's saying he's never found someone without passion who fulfilled their potential. What does passion do? Passion says, I'm going to bring my best. I'm not bringing 50%. I'm not bringing 80%. I'm bringing 110%. i am putting everything in the game because I've got passion. 
How's your passion? You can see how people live and how they do their work to determine if they have passion. How's your passion? Passion says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do my best. Now, this is what some, some, some of me and Sonica, and now we're trying to instill it into our son. We, we, we do our best. Whatever we do, we do it well. We give our, we give our 100%. And, and that makes a massive difference. Are you bringing your 100%? Otherwise, you won't fulfill your, your, your full potential. Following your passion is the key to finding your potential. So what is your passion? What is, what is burning in you? So another, another, another quote here, guys, says, um, also John, John Maxwell, was, he was asked, people often ask me the key to my success. And he says, setting aside for the moment the whole question of what it means to be successful, my answer is quite simple. I love what I do. I love what I do. We've all heard the advice. Find something you like to do so much that you would gladly do it for nothing. Find something you like, something you like to do so much that you, you would gladly do it for nothing. Then, Learn to do it so well that people are happy to pay you for it. Learn to do it so well that people are happy to pay you for it. And he says, that's what I've done in my career. I I feel like Thomas Edison, the well-known scientist who said, I never did a day's work in my life. It was all fun. Passion. Imagine doing your work, but it's actually your hobby. You're having a ball. You're having a great time. I feel like that. I'm getting paid to spend time with Jesus. Yes. What a blessing. But I'm, I'm wired for what I'm doing. I, it doesn't, I'm not doing it for a salary. I'm not doing it for finances. I'm simply doing it because I love God and I want to impact lives for the glory of God. Passion. And it's so easy. It's not hard to get up in the morning. It's not hard to do stuff because it's like, obviously there's stuff you don't like sometimes. In any job, there would be. But what if you could connect the two, your passion, your hobby, the thing that you ultimately love doing, and you're doing that for most of your time? That is, that would be awesome. Sometimes you need to make some changes to be able to do that. But at the very least, if you can find purpose in what you do, and I believe that purpose should be people. Whatever, I mean, all, all of us, I'm sure, whatever we are doing work-wise, there are people involved. And you can find purpose in your work through impacting people. Amen. This is what Sonica did for 11 years at PricewaterhouseCoopers. They would get together on a weekly basis and pray together and reach out to the other uh, employees at the company. And that gave her purpose beyond doing the work and just getting uh, an income. Okay. Passion. And compassion. So let's look at this. Mark chapter 3. Look at passion and then Jesus' compassion. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. So there's someone with a deformed hand. But again, is it Jesus noticed? Isn't that amazing? Jesus saw somebody with a deformed hand. Jesus saw somebody, probably a nobody, an outcast with a deformed body. And he saw that. 
Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Isn't that again amazing? These guys were passionate. Passionate. We're going to watch Jesus. We're going to catch him out. Hmm? I feel like that sometimes when I'm extremely religious people around me are like, oh, they want to catch me out. Where I'm missing the Bible, where I'm missing the doctrine, where I'm missing it. And I'm like, come on, man. Let's just see lives changed. Let's just see people loved. Let's just see the kingdom come. But there's these, these uh, police, eh? I don't know if you go onto, on the, onto the web, onto YouTube or internet sites, you find the self-proclaimed Christian police. And they, oh, they, they go wild. So uh, it says that they, they watch Jesus closely. And if he healed the man's hand, they plan to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Oh, no, working on the Sabbath, healing somebody. How dare you, Jesus? Because it's about rules and regulations, isn't it? No. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned his, to his critics and, and asked, does the law permit good deeds to, uh, on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Huh? Wouldn't it be sad if Jesus would ever have to look at us and that he, would be his response? Deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Deeply saddened that we're not seeing the pain of people. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the support of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Another portion of the gospel that says, and they were filled with rage, passion, but wrong passion. You see, it's so easy. And I'm probably preaching to the converted today. But if you've been in this church for a little bit, I'm probably preaching to the converted. But I see this so often that religious people get passionate about the things of God, but not the God of the things. You see, we like control. We like to have our little boxes, you know. We like to, uh, to, to you know, when, when it's, it's hard to give this God control over our lives. So we like to have our little boxes. And I read this uh, article or books about this way, especially guys that become extremely intellectual. Intellectual is not bad, but it becomes, it goes off balance. It's a, a lack of spiritual life. And then they sort of tra- change the, um, their outlook, their, their way of doing life. And I'm, I'm going to give you, a, I'll give you a quote in a moment about that. But how do you, how do you, how do we develop our passion for God? Just four things that I want to just mention. The one is focus. If you want to develop your passion for God, you need to focus. You can't have fire going everywhere, passion going 10 different places. You know, those who really impact this world in general are extremely focused. They know, they, they know to say no to a whole lot of things, to say yes to what they should be doing. Fascinating. Even someone, a secular guy like from Apple uh, Computers, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, they asked him, how did, you, how did you get it right to make these wonderful um, phones and things? And he said he's more proud of the things they didn't do than the things they did do. 
In other words, when he took over the company, when he was battling, he was saying, guys, we're going to focus. And that's just a secular principle. That's just a normal business principle. But it's true for our lives. We all have limited capacity, limited time, limited energy, limited mental capacity. And if you don't focus, you probably won't fulfill your life destiny. So you need to get focused. You need to say, well, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm going to be focusing on. And if I can encourage you, focus on that relationship with God, your passion for God, because from that place, the other things flow out. Okay, so number one, focus. Focus your, your energy, cut out distractions. Channel your fire to pursue God. Secondly, fire, surround yourself with people who are on fire for Jesus. Now, I am amazed, but every time I... You know, you're interacting with a lot of people, good Christians, love God, and then you met somebody that is on fire for Jesus. It is actually a little bit freaking you out. (laughs) It's quite intense. It's burning. But something on the inside of you burns as well. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I like what I'm seeing. I like what I'm seeing. And then I'm reminded myself, come on, Andre, there's more. (laughs) Have you met people like that? Have you encountered people like that? You see, some people will steal your passion for Jesus. Others will stir it. Now, if you spend too much time with people that pull you down, you're going to lose that fire. You need to surround yourself with people who are passionate, passionately on fire for Jesus. Amen. Okay, so there, fire, fire. Thirdly, first, your greatest passion must be for Jesus. For God, the creator of heaven and earth, you will only find your destiny in God. He will reveal it because he knows it. He knows why you are here. He's birthed you. He's designed you. He has written your life in his book before time began. Every day has been written down. And for you to discover that, you need to spend time with God. There's a lot of people that say, "Um, man, I just don't know what my, I've asked God. You know, I've asked the Lord, what, what is my purpose? What, why am I, what am I doing here? I want to say to you, categorically, if you passionately pursue God within a Christian community, you're going to discover. He's going to show you. He's going to unlock to you who you are and what you're called to do. So first, then fourthly, be aware of the false passions, as I said now, about the religious. Passionate about the things of God, but not the God of the things. Let me give you an example. We can love worship music, but forget to, to love God. Forget to worship God. We can sing along and the vibe is good and yes, there's lacquer. But are we fixing our eyes on God? Are we? We can get passionate about God's word. You know, there's some theologians, um, they say they've, they, they, they don't plan it, but it sort of falls out like this. They live as this. It's called a false trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Scriptures. You pick up that's wrong? <laughs> it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, but it's nice to replace Holy Spirit with the word because you can control the word. It's you. You're the boss. You're in control. You're reading it and you're interpreting the way you want to. But it's harder to have Holy Spirit, God in action, God present, moving in our midst. That is, uh, and so often people find themselves in that difficult 
space. We tend to shift our passion to the things of God instead of the God of the things. Same way, you're serving God and you're giving faithfully, as Steve said this morning, and amen, God opens doors for you and you get blessed. Your business starts prospering. You're buying the big house. You're buying the big car. You're buying the second house. You're buying this, all the other things. And you, I am blessed. And then what? Does your heart shift to the things? Because, I mean, I tell you, no, no thing can compare to the one who is beyond understanding or beyond description and beauty and wonder. You know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but so many times in my life, I, I'm excited about something, buying something, maybe a gadget or maybe a phone or maybe something, you know. And then you get it and it's lacquer for a day or two and then you're like, ugh, doesn't really fulfill. Doesn't really fulfill. You see, so you, we can expend our passion on things when our passion should be for God. That's where you find fulfillment, and that's where movement comes. That's where the kingdom comes. So quickly, why compassion? Compassion moves us deeper into God. It, as I said, it will move you to your knees. If you really love people, do you know what? You're going to be a prayer. Are you a prayer? If you're not a prayer, I want to say to you, you don't have compassion. You don't really have compassion for people. Because I know when I have compassion for people, I pray. Because <laughs> Jesus, we need more of you. Only you can solve this. You know, so that's what we do sometimes. You know, if someone has a crisis, we go there and we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray and trust God to take the cancer away. We're going to pray that the kingdom of God would come. We're going to pray that a miracle would happen here today. Compassion moves us to pray. Compassion breaks through barriers. Compassion breaks, breaks through obstacles. And if we're honest, as a, the church in South Africa, we're not a praying church. And that tells me we're not a compassionate church. We, what are we? A complaining church. Yes. We'll tick that top box. Yes, we're complaining. It's so bad. It's so horrible. No, man. Well, if we have an awesome, powerful God who can rock nations, then we will pray. If we have faith, we will pray. If we have compassion, we will pray. You see, compassion makes a way. And I feel that's what sometimes happens in me. It's just like, this is just unacceptable. Come on, we're going to shift it. We're going to see God until something happens. Compassion opens the sluice gates of our hearts to God's anointing. I've experienced this many times. You pray for somebody and there's uh, not much happening. But at some point when the love of God floods through you. It's just suddenly the power of God moves as well. And people get healed. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears open. I heard um, someone shared with me this week. They were, I think it was Josh Minter and some of the ministry in town. Um, Paul Mitchell shared this with me. They were in town and they were praying at one of the locations. Praying. They went from house to house to pray for people. And there was a, a lady who's deaf sorry, blind in the one eye, blind in the one eye for more than 40 years, and they prayed for her, and the eye opened up. <laughs> Praise God. The whole family are Muslims, so the whole family turned to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Give Jesus a hand for that. That's beautiful. But compassion would move us out. Compassion would cause us to pray. Compassion would cause us to trust God for a miracle. Compassion says this is unacceptable. Have you ever experienced that? 
Like you're looking at something, this is unacceptable. Many people go to sympathy or anger. I say, let's go for compassion. Let's go to our knees. Let's seek the face of God and see his kingdom come. And then fourthly, love takes our faith next level. 1 Corinthians 13, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. I tell you, there are obstacles in your life currently. Right in front of your locomotive, there is a wall. And there's maybe another five other walls. I tell you, when passion and compassion grip your heart, passion for God and compassion for people, you're going to break through. You're going to break through. You're not going to stand back. You're not going to settle for this because you have a passion for the living God, which leads to faith. And then you have compassion for people. And you want that to, to take hands, that intersection point, the cross, where the love of God meets the needs of mankind. And in Psalm 145, ending off with this, it says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Come on, say unfailing. Unfailing love never fails. Compassion, the compassion of the Father never fails. The Lord is good to everyone. And He showers compassion on all His creation. He showers compassion on all His creation. How is He going to do that? How is God going to shower all of his creation with his compassion. How's he going to do that? He's going to do it through us. He's going to do it through you. He wants to. But you need to give him a little bit of faith. Say, God, you, you, you want to love others through me. Come on, let's say that. God, you want to love people through me. Fill my heart with compassion. Open my eyes to see. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It says, all of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. So how do we grow in compassion? Expose your heart to the Father. Spend time with God. No, not just read a scripture or two. No, not just a quick prayer and you just tick off your little box. Go sit in the presence of God and say, Father, reveal your heart to me for people. Amen. So then when, 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 when you receive his heart, then the second thing you need to do, this is a tough one. If you want to grow in compassion. You need to step into people's pain. You need to step into people's stuff. You see, but if you only step into people's pain and you have not come to receive the love of Father God, you might have sympathy, but it will probably just break you in a bad way. But when you have the context, almighty, wonderful, glorious, powerful God who does miracles, then let's do this. You know, so we had this family, this family in the church. They're not here today. The Katz family, um, their boy Noah passed away three weeks ago. 
in a, in a car a car wreck. And uh, so on the Sunday, so that was Sunday afternoon. So Monday morning, his mom was like, I could see I'm not going to get out of this. We're going to go to the morgue and we're going to pray for this boy. So I was like, I'm not even going to fight with you. I'm coming. <laughs> Let's just do this. You know, if you're dead, we're going to pray for you. Okay, can we make a deal? If you're dead, we're going to pray for you because you can't raise the dead if you don't pray for dead people. Okay. So, but I always do this with the third, third child or young person that I've prayed for that's dead. And yes, man. Mm-mm. You know, but so we, so we went there and we prayed for, for Noah. And I mean, it was obviously families broken and it, it's, it's really, really painful. But I know that every time I step into these type of things, obviously Noah wasn't raised from the dead. The next one, in Jesus' name. But I, I've made this commitment. God, I'm going to step out. I'm going to position myself. I'm going to choose to love. Even for the family, even if the child is not raised from the dead, the family feels loved. The family feels someone cares. And for me, that is the win. The miracle is in God's hands, but the loving is, 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 is my responsibility. You know, I want to I encourage you. We tend to run away from pain, from death, from sickness. The only way you have real compassion is if you run to it. But in the context of an almighty, loving Father that loves people. Amen. So come to God in a different way, not in a religious way. Catch His heart. The taste of real compassion is that we're going to be praying. You're going to find yourselves on your knees weeping before God because you love somebody or you love our country. It's going to take you to your knees. And then you need to step out. You need to be there and you need to pray and trust that God is going to move to love somebody, but also to see that miracle come so that that Muslim family can turn to Jesus. <laughs> that person that's far from God so they can imp- be impacted by the love of God. Amen. So passion and compassion is the engine room for f- seeing your dreams fulfilled or God's dreams fulfilled. It is to truly, truly dream with God. And my prayer today is that every one of us will start having that fire lit more than before. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.